Pretty Dece, Pretty Dece, here we go. Facebook.com slash Pretty Show. It's time to geek out with Josh, your host. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Pretty Dece Director's Cut. This is episode two. I'm Josh Meek, the Uber Geek, your host, and joining me are my usual cohorts for this show. We've got Scott. What's up, Scott? Hello, hello. And Ross is here. What's up, Ross? Hello. Gentlemen, how is it going? How's life been since last we have we have spoke? Things are good. Good, good, good. Life is just trucking right along. <laughs> life is trucking. Life is trucking. The world is trucking. We, we, we haven't exploded since the last time we had one of these shows, so that's good. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I feel like bare minimum, like we can be proud that that hasn't happened. Society hasn't collapsed. Everything is still humming along. That's all Some we can pillars look for. are still hanging in there. <laughs> we're not. We're not yet actually living a dystopian video game. <laughs> no, we're still heading there. Like we can still see <laughs> the lines. This is the prequel. This is the cutscene. The the flashback cutscene. Right. Of- in the dystopian game. This is where, like, all of the... Yeah, exactly. In the, in the flashback, it's like, ooh, man, I see... Like, I see, should have seen. Exactly. I see that's going to go real <laughs> real bad here in a, here in a bit. Um, that's where we currently are. Until then... about that? Nah, we're good, right? <laughs> nah, we're good. Yeah. We're fine. Until then, we've got video games, we've got uh, comic books, we've got movies, we've got all these fun things we're going to talk about here today. Uh, of course, this is the show where we uh, kind of have a long-form discussion, unlike the regular Pretty Dece episodes, where we can uh, spend way too long talking about ridiculous things that we want to talk about. That's the whole point here. So, gentlemen, let's jump right into things. Since we had the last episode, I, I've been thinking about media I've been consuming, and I realized that like I'm getting maybe more into competitive gaming like just in general um because the there's been there's been several things that have been happening so first of all um evo the the lineup for evo 2018 got announced and i was definitely interested in that lineup like there were games that i want to see played and stuff and i'm like more excited for evo than normal this year like every year when when, when evo comes up and if, if you guys don't know evo is the uh, the biggest like fighting game tournament that happens every year. A bunch of different games uh, get get featured. A bunch of different um, you know winners in each of those different games, and like the games that make it on the main stage are always a big deal. And the tournament as a, as a whole is like really big. It happens in like Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, and there's this huge stage, and it's like kind of the 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 biggest thing in fighting games every year. So so. Every year coming up, that's always super interesting from kind of an outsider's perspective. Like, oh, that's crazy. Like, there are that many people, you know, into fighting games and they can put on this big giant tournament. Um, but I, I I was definitely way more interested this year because I've played most of the games that are going to be in the lineup. And I definitely like them. And I feel like I'm having this sort of fighting game resurgence right now. So that's the first thing that happened. And the other, other thing that's kind of... Uh, opened my eyes a bit to like competitive gaming in general is the Overwatch League, which has started and actually just completed stage one. There's like four different stages and yada yada. So like stage one ended, which is like the first sort of quarter of their of their season, and that has just been like ridiculous production values and really really smart stuff in terms of like regional based teams, even if the players aren't necessarily regional. And like I've 
liked watching that a little bit, which I didn't think that I would actually care to do whatsoever. Um, so that's also been a little surprising me. So, yeah, I guess I guess I wanted to talk in general sort of about kind of competitive gaming. If you guys were into that, if that's anything you've delved in at all or kind of where you see like that that being at here in, 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 in 2018. So big talk. <laughs> um, I, you know, traditionally I have not been the biggest uh, competitive gamer. Um, I've certainly watched some. Um, and with the Overwatch League coming out now, I think that's been an interesting um, story that's come out. Um, I think, unfortunately for me, the thing that I've kind of glommed onto about the Overwatch League is uh, Kotaku did an article um, early January, just when things were starting to get going, about uh, the lack of female players. Yes. Um, that there aren't any. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like one now, maybe, or, or going to be one. Yeah, have yeah. They changed? So I wasn't sure. And it. Um, I think the thing that stuck out for me throughout that piece uh was just the really terrible answers that were coming from like you know the reasonings behind why there aren't any yeah uh women uh on any of these teams i thought was pretty you know it was just very just terrible carbon copy well you know we don't want to hurt the team dynamics and you know the 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 (laughs) the cohesiveness and you know everyone lives together and how with the living you know it was just these really bad trope wait the teams live together yeah yeah like professional teams they'll they'll rent a house or they'll um yeah the, the their sponsors will kind of uh help them to what essentially practice for god however many hours a day hours and hours and hours um and that so they have this uh uh, living arrangement altogether is that usually how yeah so it seems like that's how it's worked and 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 this one especially so a lot of i think like competitive gaming teams like they'll like practice over the internet and all that stuff and it'll be a lot of like you're in your house and i'm in mine and we're you know hundreds of miles away but in this especially so they're they do all of the <clears throat> all of the matches in california there's a studio they have and yeah, I think all the teams are basically just like living out there, living together, practicing all the time. So it's like it is very much, I guess, like real world Overwatch is what it maybe kind of sounds like. Yeah, I but did I not think, read that I, part of the uh, the description. I was like, oh, there's a league, and they they're going to play, and I didn't really understand that they were they were doing an MTV reality show on the well, back the, end. Well, the, they're they're not. Yeah, it, it's it, they're they're at most doing like sort of like. Um, you know, pieces on like, hey, let's find out who this person is. But that's very, very minor. But like, in real life, they are all in person, so they can show up at this studio, you know, several times a week, a week or whatever, and play. So, um, by kind of necessity, they are living together. I think. Um, sorry, I don't mean to drag the <laughs> drag the conversation too far away. Um, but I just I, I think that maybe it's good that the topic came up so quickly after the the start of the season and that it's being talked about, I think is a positive. Um, so, but yeah, as far as competitive gaming overall, um, just to, to be asked about our, our experience and opinions. And I, I've dabbled, I keep coming back like 
uh, here and there. Um, you know, I certainly play Crucible and Destiny. Um, I tried For Honor when it came out. Um, and I just... I just wish I just don't have the thumb skill. <laughs> I, don't have the, I don't have the the uh, the acumen or the the hours and hours of drive it would take to to get good, as the kids say. Um, so, but I do enjoy I do enjoy watching it. I, I think that that's um, that that's maybe the thing that that I finally got over because like because for a while it was like I don't care about super competitive gaming because i know that i'll never get there i'll know that i'll never like be at that point and i think i got over that hurdle of like okay that, that's how like real sports fans watch sports like they know they're never gonna be able to do it but they can like watch it and admire it and appreciate it because they go maybe play like pickup basketball or whatever it's like i can play overwatch really terribly but then i can see like the skill level and, and admire the the skill level which I, it was hard for me at first because it was like i felt so much more connected than like watching a basketball player on TV because it was like, this is a thing I do. I game. Like, I don't care about, you know, someone who can do it better. But anyway, on the thing about women, I think that that's interesting that you, you bring that up. And, you know, obviously we're three dudes talking about women being represented in things. So <laughs> yeah. like massive grains of salt with everything we say, I'm sure. But massive. It, uh, yeah, I think that it's, it, first of all, it's, it's good that someone pointed that out very early. <laughs> you know I mean? And and I think that it says a good thing about sort of the world that n someone did point it out that like n that we didn't just take it for granted that like oh yeah of course there aren't any women in the Overwatch League don't be stupid um, you know I'm, I'm glad that like at least we're at the point where someone can say like this is a little strange right yeah yeah <laughs> and, and and the the fact that the infrastructure exists within the game already to be like hey like there's a female streamer or video game player and like she's ranked number 10 in the world so yeah. why is she not playing yeah she's kicking I, ass i so you know obviously i play a lot of magic and there was just a, an article i i just pulled it up so i could, I could reference her by name because I, I couldn't remember her name but uh thea miller who writes for tcg player wrote an article called death by a thousand paper cuts um that just just came out this past week which i i, I think is really interesting and is makes paint some really good parallels to this and you know because they're it, it's the same in magic it's the same you know magic is also a, a competitive game and there are more women in magic than you see in like video games but but still like it's such a tiny margin it, it's ridiculously small and this article she kind of like walks down through like a woman showing up at friday night magic for the first time like you know, got excited about Magic, playing it on, like, Magic Duels, showed up in person, and, like, <clears throat> you know, it was a good experience at first, but then it's, like, comments about, like, oh, you're here to play Magic, and, like, oh, who's your boyfriend, and things like that, right? Like, that's the thousand paper cuts of making you feel unwelcome is, like, constantly being kind of pushed as an outsider. Like, you don't belong here, this isn't for you, it's a surprise that you're here, I'm <clears throat> more mad that you beat me because you're a girl... All those sorts of things. Yeah. So, like, and, and I'm sure the same is true for, obviously the same is true for Overwatch, for any other competitive game. It's like, it's just such a, like, so many little things that add up to, like, yeah, it's probably easier if I just don't participate. <laughs> you know, it's probably easier if I'm just not even included. Which, you know, that's from the female competitor side. And then, yeah, you also have the 
um, you know, male-dominated teams saying, you know, trash like, we wouldn't want to disrupt the balance. <laughs> so yeah. it, it's kind of, yeah, from like both sides, there's, I'm sure, like lots of like, you know, I don't want to be involved and then I don't want them involved. So um, it's definitely a problem. And I, I hope they really don't, I hope they don't go the route of like, we're going to make a women's Overwatch League because that's completely Which missing the point. I just think. dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for something like this, right? Like, the playing field's pretty even. It's just yeah. your thumb skill. <laughs> yeah. You're good, you know, it's not like somebody can physically lift something more or less or anything like yeah. that. Like, no. <laughs> it would be great if they, if in retaliation there would be an all-female team that just goes in and wrecks house. That oh, would be yeah. really fun to watch. That would be, that'd be awesome. Um, as far as like, oh, well, since you didn't want to disrupt the dynamic with having, you know, multiple players on the same team, we just made our own. And here we are. <laughs> here we are, and we're just going to... It's like, your guys are on the right track to something really cool, and then you go and you just, like, blow it like that? Come yeah. on. Those, the like, you know, the, the, the lack of women who might want to, like, participate in a competitive game, I could see then leading <clears throat> to, well, yeah, we have way more male representation on the teams, um, just by nature of, yeah, like, you know, women not participating because of, like, all of the nature of the of the community, but then, yeah, to give to give answers like that is just so tone deaf, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it would be so much better if your answer was just like, oh, we didn't take gender into account, it was just pure skill level who we, that we were evaluating players on, or, or whatever, <laughs> but... Uh, but to give such like a 1950s answer is is ridiculous. Yeah. I think I think it stands out a lot too at this point to where, you know, in the instant information age, um, that we have this opportunity to get information, you know, to to ask these questions, you know, to have articles and to have media question decisions of an organization. Um, is good, but it just feels like the then the follow up, the change, the to follow, um, is probably going to take some time. And you know the the instant Twitter Instagramness of us wants wants things to be better right now, and it's um, probably one of those one of those things that's just going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And you know, I think I think maybe part of the reason why I'm getting more into this stuff now is because it's, it's maybe becoming less gross than it used to be. And, and, and it yeah. I'm sure, sure it still is, but like, I know like hearing about like competitive fighting games and stuff like in the past five or six years or so, like there were points where it was just like really, really gross in terms of like the, yeah, like misogynistic, just like idiots that were like participating in, in that, you know? So, um, and I, I think especially with fighting games, that was a big thing as it's become more mainstream is like, oh, it's losing its edge. Like, I've definitely felt that and heard heard people like talk about that, um, which is, you know, <laughs> for the for the world is a good thing that uh, people are becoming less stupid and, and and more welcoming and open. But, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a process as that stuff goes. Because I've not really had any too in-depth experience with fighting games. Like, I remember as I was younger and learning video games, like, fighting, the fighting game genre was, it was like that, or a third-person shooter, right? Like, it's either Mortal Kombat or Contra. <laughs> yeah. 
And I was just so terrible at fighting games that I've never really gotten into them. I think the only one that I tried to get good at was the Mortal Kombat DC crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one? My, one of my roommates had it, and I didn't have to buy it. <laughs> um, but I've never quite gotten into the into fighting games, and so I'm not really well-versed on that culture of... It sounds maybe a little bit more meatheadish. Yeah, I think that it definitely it definitely used to be in that for sure. Like it was well, because I mean, if you think back to like the arcades, right? It was, um, you know, I walk up to a machine, slam my quarter down, and it means that I'm next. And it was like it was a very like confrontational thing, like way more than than other video games where it is a competition. But fighting games always seems like they they feel like more of a fight. Like you know the the games themselves have taunts built into them and there's just like always been showboating you know that i've always heard of in the the community and stuff so yeah i think i think it was very it's a very like meathead focused um thing you know in 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 a lot of cases and i i do think that's better like it seems like it is better but i you know again like just looking at it like very surface level you know not not knowing a ton about it but yeah, from, you, from won't, the, you won't see uh oh no, I was ahead. just gonna say you weren't you won't see uh, Mortal Kombat fatalities in a, a third person single player only shooter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like I love Mortal Kombat, but that is yeah, that's a perfect example of like this is this is who you're this is who you're aiming exactly for. You're aiming for twelve year old boys who think this is cool, right? Like um yeah, that's, that's that was the worst too when you when you talk about the arcade, like going in there and playing at the arcade and you know, you play some kid and like the the last the ending you know, it's one thing when the computer does it, but when someone else is like doing the button combination after the round is over, you've lost. The game is over. <laughs> but they're good enough that they can actually do all the combos and, you know, rip your spine out through the back through your back is pretty uh it's just the the nail in the coffin, the ultimate taunt. Well, yeah, I mean, it is it is the especially in the, in the arcade, it is the real life version of like teabagging someone after you get a kill <laughs> in a shooter. Yeah. Like it, it's that it is that just like hammer the point home. I just completely destroyed you. So yeah, yeah. It's, it, it it would shock me very little why anyone would not want to participate in that. <laughs> Uh, you know, from from just a person playing games alone in their house perspective, I think fighting games are are super fun lately because they've started incorporating a lot of modes that aren't just direct like go fight another real person. You know that 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 was where games were at a long time. It was like there's an arcade mode where you can play like twelve matches and do that over and over again if you want, or you can play online. And like those were the two things. And Nowadays, like, all the fighting games that are coming out have, like, really good story modes or, like, you know, Tekken 7 has a mode where, you know, you're just sort of, like, earning money and you're facing up against, like, weird random uh, conglomerations of fighters with different, like, stipulations and stuff on the fights. And then, you know, you're unlocking, you know, cash and you're unlocking things that your fighters can wear and stuff like that. And there's this all this huge customization aspect and... You know, you, you have games like Injustice, which has this crazy story mode that you can play through that's actually, like, really, really good and really well done. So I like that, like, they're they're a fun thing to get good at, even if you're just playing against the, the bots or whatever. And, and I like that's the direction they've gone, which is, you know, that makes it fun because then it's like, oh, I know these characters, I understand the moves, I understand generally, like, oh, this person's a slow character, this person's a fast character, and then I can apply that logic to like 
two superstars playing the game, right? You know, I I know the general mechanics, but now I can watch someone who's actually good at the game do it. And I think that's a cool yeah. thing. I think so. For me to get into a competitive game, like I watched, uh, I've watched some Overwatch, but I've, I've never like I don't own it, so I don't don't quite understand everything that's going on. I just enjoy yeah watching people go crazy. But like um, much in the same way, you see things happen on. Like, if you're watching the NBA and then you try to go and do something like that in a pickup game, I enjoy games that allow the, like, amateur player to experience some of those hero moments that you see. Like, you can watch somebody with a particular build and think, like, oh, I want to try that. Yeah, yeah. And to see, like, if it works for you or if it feels good and whatnot. Because in the middle of Destiny's 1's life cycle, I watched a guy that was playing the Gunslinger uh, Hunter build with... um, Throwing knives that would cool down right away, and he was—you got bonus accuracy if you had a uh, a hand cannon if you were in the air. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that and like just jumping around all nimbly bimbly. And the hitbox changes, right? So if you if you angle somebody from above, the majority of that hitbox is their face, and so you have a higher probability of hitting that cooldown. Okay. And I like I watched somebody do that, and afterwards they explained like what they were doing. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm not jumping for the necessarily the." The gun accuracy, it's just that you jump, and then the majority of the hitbox goes from the head being this little thing at the top to the head being the only thing that you can possibly hit. So you automatically get the kill. Huh. Yeah, see. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> I want to try that. And so, uh, But games where it's just you have to be so lightning quick. I remember like watching people play Street Fighter in the arcade when I was super little. And would just, like, I, there was no way that I would be able to compete at that level. Yeah. And I... And now not at all quick enough to compete at that level. That's actually, you know, pointing out the sort of tutorial aspect of it where you like you see something crazy, but then the reason that it sticks with you and you want to go try it and that it's fascinating is because then you have the person who like slows it down and says, Well, here's why I'm doing this. Like here's why it's important. And it's stuff like that that I think is is maybe what games are getting better at now, or at least, you know, people that are streaming games and playing games, because um you know, I'm thinking about several like Fortnite streamers, for example, that, you know, you, you watch them and you maybe, and you've played the game maybe, and you're like, I can, I can kill some people. I understand how guns work and stuff, but you don't understand like the building aspect. And then you watch streamers and they're one, like building things like crazy and using building defensively. So you can kind of learn from that. But the good ones will also like explain that while they're doing it. Like, you know, oh, you know, you, you only want to build like, you know, one by one because then you're not wasting resources or you don't want to build too high because then you'll fall and take fall damage. And like they'll explain all those things as you go. Um, it, weirdly, you know, as, for as complicated as the game is, Dota does a good, do- a, a good job of that when they do their international tournament because they always have a new player stream. So it's a separate stream that's casting the games that's just for new people getting into the games where they have casters that are explaining things like, oh, they picked this, you know, particular character because of these reasons, or, you know, he's going over here to the map to do these things, and here's why he would do that, and here's how he knew to do that, and he took these items because of these reasons. Um, So, yeah, I I like that that is becoming more and more of a thing now. As games get more complicated and as we are playing games more and more competitively, I like that we are taking the time to explain those things to kind of bring more people into the fold. It's cool. Because... Or at least I didn't really think about it until, like, I was watching some competitive shoutcasters and stuff like that, where they would actually 
do that where if you grow up playing like basketball or football or something, you you kind of already have a sense of how the game works. And then the, the commentators, you know, expand that a little bit more. Yeah. Even if they're really dumb uh, at times, but the, <laughs> it's like part of their job is to entertain you. And I think that if you, if the, this kind of new competitive uh, broadcast medium can think about like the people that would just like stop by because it's on the front page of Twitch or things like that. Yeah. Like not like you shouldn't gear the commentary towards the elite person because they already know this. Like again, break it down for us. You know, don't treat people like idiots for sure, but just help them get acquainted with the game or why you would even do that. Right. Um, so then like they're, they're more likely to try it themselves or to at least get into it of like, Oh, I know what he's doing now. But like, and you caught it before the commentator even thought about it. Like, yeah. oh, he's going to build this. Watch, watch. And then, like, it pays off. And then you can start actually having fun, like, watching it with people and things like that. Yeah, definitely. You know, you bring up football, and, like, I was just thinking about it here. Like, you know, we've been playing the game that football takes place in our whole lives. It's, it's just called life, right? Like, I understand how to move my character around. I understand how to walk. I've caught a ball yes. before. <laughs> like, I, I get all of the basis for it. And the, the thing that commentary then can bring to it is, like, you know, the extra skill that these people have put into to do those things better than I can do. When I when I look at a game like Overwatch and, and I have never played the game before, I know literally nothing about it. I, I might not even, like, it, 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 it could be that, like, you can't jump in the game. Or it could be that, like you die when a monster looks at you. Like, you know, the, the rules are completely thrown out the window I, and, and I have to start from zero. Unlike when I'm looking at something like football or whatever, where, where, where it applies like real world. You physical... people throwing fireballs. Right. Like football. Exactly. Right? It's like, how did he do that? Oh yeah. He got a power up. <laughs> exactly. So like it adds that extra level of like, there's such a wide berth that you have to bring someone up to, where where you're not you have no idea where they're starting from so it you know it makes it a real challenge I think for yeah. for that so there's a and I really hope that maybe uh, the video game world as a collective can take a step forward and not be exclusionary with that just like I like I tried legitimately tried and I should have recorded it tried to play Fortnite because you <laughs> loved it so much and you've been talking about it both on Pretty D's and then uh, when we've been playing together and i just got straight up owned yeah 32 seconds is what my lifetime was <laughs> 32 seconds. i dropped in i didn't know why i was falling out of a plane i didn't know what was going on uh, but like if you then go and watch it i hope that people don't take like my example and be like oh you're such a noob like you're just terrible why would i even try to explain this to you and like try to bring people into the fold of that and maybe be a little bit more inclusive yeah I think that it's a natural inclination for a lot of gamers to be elitist about things. And it probably just comes from like, you know, like I, I felt like a nerd and, and an outcast my whole life. And then now this is my thing that I get to make other people feel outcast about. And, you know, I don't know that that might be it or it might just be people are jerks. But um, I feel like, I feel like that, that happens a lot of just the like huh, noob didn't know you're going to fall out of a plane in the middle of Fortnite. Um, but yeah, like that's, it's something that we need to, as a community, an entire gaming community need to get over real fast. Cause it's, yeah, it's real dumb on the Fortnite front though, Ross, Yes, <laughs> Fortnite has a real problem. Cause there's, 
as I was telling you, I was, I was texting you, there's no, there's like zero tutorial. Like you, you, you drop into, why do I have a <clears throat> Right, exactly. If, if you know nothing, like I came into playing Fortnite having watched it streamed a bunch. So I, there's a, a streamer named Wavy that I, I really enjoy. And I found him because he was playing Super Mario Odyssey. He was like speed running Odyssey. So I was watching that. And then the next time I tuned in to watch him after I watched him play, play Mario a few times, he was playing this game Fortnite. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'll check it out. So I had watched a bunch of Fortnite before even downloading Fortnite for the first time. So I understood sort of the basis of the game because I'd seen him do it. But if you go into Fortnite mostly blind, there's zero tutorial. They don't tell you anything about about the game. Um, you get dropped on this sort of like staging island and you have a pickaxe and a bunch of people have guns and you have no idea why they're shooting at you and you don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're in a flying bus and yes, you you get thrown out of said flying bus. You're plummeting down towards uh, an island, and then if you if you manage to to make it down to the island, you have people shooting at you like almost instantly, like depending on where you land. And yeah, like they they don't tell you anything about like why yeah. you have the pickaxe, how to build, anything like that. Um, so which is a big problem for the game. The 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 reason they tell you nothing is because all of that like tutorial stuff is over in the save the world mode which you have to pay to get into right now. So ah. it's like, a, it's a real weird thing of just you, the, the, the battle Royale side is like way more popular. Tons more people are in it, but it doesn't do any sort of that job of like telling you what's going on in the game. Cause I was all excited to be like to, uh, to tell you that I'd actually tried to play it and like describe some things that had happened. <laughs> yeah. Now, Death and and immediately died. <laughs> so the um yeah, I I will say like general advice for Fortnite, um, just to kind of get a bearing on like how things work, try to drop so when you drop out of the plane, you can sort of aim yourself as you're falling. So like try to fall towards a place that has nothing going on around it. Like there aren't any buildings, anything like that. Just fall to a general area. And then start using your pickaxe on some trees and just just anything you see in the world you can you you can pickaxe down. And, okay. And then you'll after you collect resources, there's um, a way to switch over to the building mode. And there are like a few things you can build. You can build like floors, walls, or ramps are are like the three main things that that you would build. And I would say just like play with building a little bit. If someone comes up on you, you'll definitely die. But at least you should hopefully have a few minutes to like figure out how building and stuff like that works. Um, and then, yeah, after a while, like once you get used to that, start dropping where like a building is or something and start, you know, scavenging it for guns and things like that. And then you can start getting into fights from, from that point. But um, yeah, it, it's good to at least take your first few tries just to like get the building mechanics uh, under your belt. Cause they don't explain those whatsoever. And they're very important <laughs> to the game. <laughs> It kind of sets the game apart from, like, PUBG and stuff like that, I'd heard. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. Did a little bit of searching afterwards. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> why that red wall kept popping up. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Scott, have you played Fortnite at all? I haven't. Okay. It's downloaded, but I, I've watched a, a fair amount. Okay. But I uh, haven't tried it myself. Yeah, it's, you know, like, the general mechanics, like, are very, like, if you know... Player unknowns battlegrounds. You you generally know like what Fortnite's going to be about, but yeah, like the building is the big thing that sets it apart. Um, 
and like the the really good streamers will do just insane buildings like their their fights like one on one will become these super intense things where they're building ramps and putting walls up and then like building ramps around the walls to try to get around behind somebody and uh you know rockets exploding parts of the things you built and you building new things to fall on so you don't die and um Meanwhile, my fights are like, I stood behind a tree and you still managed to kill me, so here we are. (laughs) (laughs) I had been meaning to ask the the Save the World mode that you talked about. Uh Is there... Is there a co-op? I can't remember if I asked you this already. There is, yeah, and it uh, it works generally pretty well. It um, so the I've always I've always been a big fan of uh, horde mode type games, and I think I could I could see myself kind of getting into that style of you know preparing, yep. resource gathering, preparing, and then trying to survive until the next round. That sounds like a a thing I could do. Yeah, it is a it is a super fun game. It's super unique on that side. Um, the and it is the best with friends. That's how I played. I that's how I've played a lot of it so far. And mm-hmm. when you have friends, so it's it's very unique in that exactly as you said, it's resource gathering to start a map off. Like everyone has to go, you know, get their various building materials. People have different like quests and stuff they're 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 going on. And then at some point you kick off the actual mission, which is where like the horde mode starts. So it's a bunch of enemies attacking a certain point. The idea being before you kick that off, you've worked together to build up a fort, build up your defenses, put up traps, whatever you're going to do to, you know, fend off the enemies. And you definitely have to build because if you don't, you lose your your whatever you're defending like instantly. Like other things just swarm in. So mm-hmm. it's it's best in co-op where you can talk to the people that you're you're dealing with to say like, Oh, do you have enough resources or here's how I want to build or like, let's, let's do it this way. <laughs> and then when you, when you join up with random people, because the the game will always be co-op. So even if you're playing alone, you'll get joined in with random people. Sure. For the most part, people are generally on board with like, you know, we're going to gather for a while and then we'll kick things off and we'll make sure we've built the fort. But you definitely always have the people who start the mission too soon or who don't want to <laughs> contribute to the fort building or whatever. They just want to shoot guns and don't want to bother building. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it is a it is a super, super fun game in co-op for that exact reason. And there, there are um, missions you get to on it where you have to defend your personal home base. And those are some of the most challenging points of the game. And with those, they're really fun to do in co-op because all the stuff that you build uh, will maintain. So the next time you come back to your home base, it'll still be there, uh, unlike the other the other missions. So that's cool because you can work together with your friends to spend a lot of time like planning out and thinking out this base. And you know it's going to stick around. That's why you can spend a little bit more time on it. So... Um, yeah, highly, highly recommended on the Save the World stuff. And at some point this year, that's going to go completely free to play. So right now you have to pay to get into it, but eventually it will be free like the other side is. Cool. So, yeah, Fortnite. Fortnite is fun. Ross, you should try it again. <laughs> are, are you playing on Xbox? I am. Okay, I'll, I will download the Xbox version and we can we can Fortnite it up together at some point. Sweet. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of in a weird place because the... Um, the PC version, so that's where I've primarily been playing, and the PS4 version will, like, share data and stuff, so, like, all of my progress will go back and forth between those two uh, platforms. The Xbox version does not link into that for some reason. <laughs> I don't I don't know why. Um, 
but that's, that's it's weird. fine. Yeah, I mean, it's, that sounds pretty par for the course. Right, right, <laughs> exactly. Xbox not playing along. <laughs> but yeah, we'll we'll definitely uh, jump in and check it out. Uh, to move on to our next topic, speaking of you know gaming, one of the things that we'd uh, we'd put on the list here to talk about because it keeps coming up more and more, um, you know, as as time goes by, is the this concept of you know cloud gaming, gaming in the cloud. Games are um, you know very graphically intensive now. PC gaming is is huge in a, in a place where you know it hasn't been. Uh, in in years past, and it it takes a very powerful machine to run a lot of games. So a lot of companies are coming out right now that NVIDIA has their uh, grid system. There's a company named Liquid Sky that's doing this. There's a company called Vortex that's doing this, where they're they're basically turning into service-based gaming. So uh, you don't have a fancy machine yourself. You just have your regular personal computer, and you're connecting to a remote server that is running a powerful machine, and they spin up the game for you, and you get to play. So instead of you having the game locally, you're connecting via the internet to a game running on a, on a powerful machine, and you're and then you're paying per time or whatever. So this is a super super interesting thing because I, I think it's a solution to an interesting problem, but. I, I'm super inter- interested in what you guys think about this. Is this like a thing you would use? Do you think it's cool and you would never touch it? Do you see it as the future? Like, kind of, kind of, where do you land on it, Scott? Well, I think the it's been interesting, and I've been trying to read up, um, watching some YouTube videos because um, it's it's a an idea that's it's pretty new to me. I just wonder about the like what type of gaming you know uh, developers and hardware folks are envisioning for this service you know the idea that I would imagine a lot of folks that they maybe are targeting are probably people who already have a fairly hefty desktop system you know they're already fans of World of Warcraft or yeah, The Witcher or Shadow of Mor- whatever Name your high, high bandwidth, high volume needs a graphics card to run game. You know those folks already have the the tower in their computer gaming area, and so this is aimed at them doing that type of gaming, but not from that desk. Well, I think I think they're probably hoping that they're opening that market up to people who would not normally even play those games, but then might be interested. Like, you know, you aren't, you you being someone who, you know, doesn't have a gaming machine, has never played World of Warcraft, has never played whatever, Far Cry, but are interested in it, you're not going to plunk down the $1,000 for a gaming PC, but maybe you'd plunk down the $10 a month for their service. I I would guess that's maybe the thing that they're hoping they're going to be able to capture. Okay, so and that were... that to me sounds like that sounds like if that's the 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 audience that are that they're trying to capture. It sounds I think it sounds interesting. It seems like the hurdle that's still kind of out there is just the the bandwidth yes. to get it to work, even on you know um, Chromebook or laptop or whatever hardware that it's still going to that it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be a hefty. Uh, 
hefty amount of data going into and out of. Um, so, but, you know, uh, technology problems being what they are, they just keep finding ways to make them faster, smaller. Um, so I'm sure those are hurdles that they're going to continue to to work on uh, getting over. Um, I think it, it sounds interesting. I don't know that it would be something, I guess I just, being someone who's already made some investment in hardware, mm-hmm. Uh, because I do want to play games and have them look good. Um, I just don't think it would be something that I would I would be into. Um, and in talking to folks, I, I think it's going to take some, some work on the part of game developers as well as hardware to, to reach a new audience. Um, you know, folks who... I guess I just keep coming back to this idea of the games that take this, that, that, that require, um, that would require the service to work are games that you sit down and play for like hours and hours at a time. Yeah. You know, the, the playing a game for 15 minutes is what we do on our phones with Angry Bird and, whatever else i know i'm just super dating myself with all these old <laughs> ios games but <laughs> you know the so far the 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 machine in everyone's hand right now in their phone you know the ios games are big big business um everyone has something you know my mom plays hq and whatever like yeah. the 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 amount of yeah. gaming that's getting out there to the masses that everyone is involved in that everyone's spending a little bit of money on um is this real quick hitting 15 minutes and if you want to then go after a portion of that audience and say hey we're giving you this opportunity to play a super <laughs> labor intensive massively multiplayer online like i i just wonder is is the type of games going to change where they try and bridge some of those types of gaps or um, I'm, I'm curious so, where this goes. I think it's, I think it is the future, but I'm curious. I, I don't think we're the idea of, okay, now you can play this game on your laptop. I think there are going to be some, some changes that have to be made to, to make it work, whether that's the type of game, the type of audience. I, I don't think it's the, the, we haven't seen the final picture yet. So are you are you just saying that like gaming is changing in general and the audience is changing that like maybe the people out there who want to you know play for hours on end aren't there anymore is that or that there aren't that the it almost feels like the 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 Nvidia's the the folks who are trying to set up these types of structures maybe are trying to aim at a new audience yeah um and so I just wonder about what, you know, what, what that audience that wants audience want us yeah. to play. Yeah. <laughs> what is it that they're uh, going to be interested in and how might that change what we're going to be seeing? Yeah, that, that's a good point. I, you know, I, I, I also wonder if that market exists, that, that market. Yeah. So people who like have a laptop or have a, you know, a, a iPad pro or whatever, like a tablet that has a decently sized screen, but don't have a gaming computer, but are, you know, Hardcore enough to want to play these games, right? Because the the games that you would be playing are things that are like, yeah, like first person shooters, MMOs, stuff that, you know, would someone that that would be into that would normally maybe already want to make the commitment to a gaming PC. So like, I wonder, yeah, if that segment does exist. Um, you know, I 
I guess I could see it like being aimed at someone who like you know has a Mac or whatever and and wants the full like Windows PC experience, and and goes that way. Or yeah, like like it could be that there's this whole segment of people who just don't want to deal with the hassle of a gaming PC and that's why they play on consoles. But if this was available. Well, heck, they'll they'll turn their you know Dell desktop into uh, you know super high end PC for a few hours play a game. Sure, you know I'm, I, that that might that might exist. You pointed I out could. bandwidth. I think that that's a huge one because we still live in a world where you know and, and even increasingly so, like like you know Comcast putting in data caps, firm firm caps, uh, just within the last year or so. Um, you know, big parts of our country don't even have broadband yet and, you know, readily accessible broadband. And, you know, I'm sure this is going to need something, you know, um, better than Netflix quality to be able to stream games without any lag or anything. So, like, just that alone, just, like, internet speed probably cuts a lot of people out of this. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll – I think it's going to have some some – challenges to meet right right off the bat see i can see myself getting in getting behind something like this yeah because i like while i think the the act or the the process of building a pc would be really interesting um one i might not be very good at it and then two it's a lot of money and then you have to keep up your hardware right like hardware gets outdated new technology comes out and so if i was paying like 11 bucks a month for essentially the best hardware all the time. Does that come out in the wash when we start talking like long-term, like at what point in how long do I have to subscribe to the service to get to the point of where it would equal out if I just like straight up built a gaming rig? I mean, it, Um, it probably ends up being slightly more expensive. I'm just guessing, but like, when 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 that slightly more expensive is over the course of like two years paying yeah like ten twelve bucks a month versus like okay now I'm gonna plunk four hundred dollars on a video card and two hundred dollars <laughs> on a CPU all at once and then I'm gonna Lego these things together and cross my fingers oh my gosh I hope this works um, yeah that that probably is a, a much more pleasing proposition for a lot of people you know it's if it's a thing that i can just throw money at and then just like entertainment shows up on my screen like like netflix yeah th- that's a perfect example right there people have shown yeah. that they uh will sign up for that in droves and i think that to get it to work like for me to want to subscribe to it like the catalog then has to come with it I don't just want to pay for the GPU service, essentially. Yeah, that's a good point. But, like, I want to be able to then, like, boot up, you know, Overwatch or boot up Witcher or whatever. Whatever game I want to play, I want it to be available That's a, at that point. Yeah, that would be an instant sign-up for me if, if that was the case. It would be right. if it was, you know, here's $15 a month, whatever it is. Here's access to like you know super high end computers you can spin up at a moment's notice, and play any of these of this game library. I would be in for sure. Um, all the ones at least I've seen so far, I think are you know you can buy these games on our service and then you can pay us to play them or whatever. Right. Yeah. Because <laughs> if that's the case, then I want to be able to then use the service for let's. And say like, oh, I don't really know if I want to buy, want to like plunk the money into a gaming rig, yeah. but I do know that I would like to play Overwatch on the PC. 
And so, okay, but like I go through their service, I buy Overwatch, and then realize like, oh yeah, I could really get into this. Like I really like mouse and keyboard. The graphics are great. The fidelity's good. Like now I'm sold on like yes, I would do this. I will build the PC now. Now I want to bring that copy of Overwatch onto my own rig. Yeah. Like I don't want it to then be trapped. Like I don't want it to be like uh, some of those movie streaming services where it's like if you pay for your movie through us that's the only thing you can watch it through <laughs> yeah like well that's dumb why would i do that yeah I, i'm already super uncomfortable about the amount of control that i give up with like licensing and you're not actually purchasing anything when it comes to gaming anymore like i don't need more of that segmentation of, of where i'm <laughs> buying things i will say so, that this could be super cool i i was just thinking about different like avenues that this could go you know Everyone always talks about, you know, like like when the when Far Cry first came out, right? It was this insane graphical powerhouse. Computers couldn't run it as they were now. It's like the high-end machine only runs it at medium settings. What if they what if this became super prevalent? Everyone used these services and then games could just start being like ridiculous. Like not only are they graphically intensive, but they're doing like physics calculations that only like you know three thousand dollar computers can run but it doesn't matter because they're all running in the cloud anyway or you know the fact that they're in the cloud means they can sort of you know spin up one giant server that does everyone's calculations or, or or whatever like like what if that lets gaming get pushed even farther than we can when we're not running stuff locally that could be a cool avenue because this is where i was listening to one of your episodes on the drive home, I got really excited when you were talking about there was the Battle Royale game that was going to be able to increase uh, player, yeah, the player size exponentially. And I thought that's really interesting because if you could run, if you could split things so that the client, uh, the local client and the remote client would talk to one another and then just offset all of the heavy lifting, which is what I thought initially Microsoft wanted to do with their their Azure servers. Yeah, that was. So you can rent space on their Azure servers for like whatever you want. If you have like giant data sets that you want to analyze, you can do that. But that was something that they pitched with Titanfall back, like the original Titanfall back in the day when it was just a Microsoft exclusive. Like they they use the Azure servers, and it was one of the few games that actually launched with Microsoft that didn't have incredible server meltdown initially. <laughs> and it's just like so that's what I where I thought we were going to be heading with the uh, the Xbox One line of con like that console line was like more and more of the physics more of the heavy lifting and the graphics would be be uh calculated off site yeah and then whatever was happening like immediately things that would give you like immediate tactile feedback like your your movement and like where you are in the xyz planes then that would be handled by your own your own uh console that, that was kind of what they so when the xbox one was first announced they Announced it, of course, with, like, always online DRM, and because you'll always be connected to the internet, the, here are the things we can do. And that was, yeah, that was one of the things. And they, they talked about it with Crackdown of, like, the, the physics calculations will happen in the cloud and, and all that stuff was going on, which, of course, is now not happening in the same way <laughs> they were talking about. But um, it's, it is it's an interesting idea, and, you know, Back then, when the Xbox One was announced, people were not ready for that that future. Like they, they they were forcing a future that was that's coming, but people weren't weren't there for it, and I wasn't there for it. Thought they really bungled that. But when you look at games now, like like we've 
we've signed up for that ourselves. Like, look, look at how many games people play that are just services now that that aren't, um, you know, single player things that I install on my machine stuff that's you you're only playing online or you have to be connected online or you know it's only a game that you can play against 99 other other people on an island like you know those those types yeah. of things that we experience now so much more than than we used to so like if i always ha- had to be connected to the internet for a physics calculation for Fortnite that'd be fine cuz the game is only online right like Right. Um, so that I could see like that circling around and becoming a thing again now that games are so much more of a service than they used to be as well. Yeah, for sure. I think I think there are some pretty cool opportunities in that model. The idea that the the box in my room doesn't have to do as much computing that it can that I would pay for a service. Me and the other five million people paying for the service <laughs> yeah. would be funding, you know, yeah. server farms after server farms that can that can take on some pretty hefty uh, hefty work. And you know, with game developers programming for that model versus the one that they are now, could lead to some pretty cool uh, pretty cool innovation. Yeah, I think so. I I think that there's like the big jumps that have to happen is one you have to not have a company like Nvidia doing it. Like anything that Nvidia announces or puts out, I feel like all of their marketing and stuff is just instantly puts off like 90% of consumers. <laughs> like I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what it is about them, but anything that they talk about just makes it seem like oh, I'm never going to get this. This the, is not something for me. <laughs> um and you have to get there in terms of like <clears throat> value. Like you have to have a proposition like we were talking about that just seems too good to be true. Like, that's how Netflix streaming got as huge as it did. Like, you told people, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of things you can watch for seven ninety nine or whatever it started out as. Um, and it just it just seemed like like an embarrassment of, of riches. And, and I think this has to get to that point of, I can play this many games for only this amount, and I don't need a crazy computer. Like, it just has to sort of, you know, talk you into it from that. But yes, anyway, that is that is cloud gaming. It, it'll be interesting to see kind of if there's a big player that comes out in that in the next year or two. Like if if there is a Netflix of this category that that starts becoming the front runner because because right now it seems a little too splintered to sort of like pick one and like try it out. You know, you're sort of waiting for the the VHS Betamax wars to end. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of this. Um, was it was it Ross that put on the the GDP win two story or was that you? Scott? Uh, that was me. Okay, let's. So I so I I was looking into this thing. <laughs> Why don't you tell me about the the GPD win two? Well, um, I you know like I mentioned in our write up, it's not something that I have seen firsthand. Uh, something I've been reading a little bit about and kind of I, I got to thinking about you know in one of the advantage of one of the advantages of the NVIDIA systems we were talking about um, would be being able to game a little less traditionally. Yeah. You know, not having to sit at the desk in the computer room, being able to do it from the couch, being able to do it from wherever. Um, and so the, are there any alternatives to the, the desktop gaming? And I came across uh, this GPD win two. Uh, it's a, they're a, 
Indiegogo uh, crowdfunded um, outfit, and this is the second iteration of a handheld uh, gaming computer, and it looks, uh, it's got a six-inch screen, it's got a full keyboard that's meant to be typed with your thumbs, so pretty small, um, has bumpers, uh, joysticks, um, you can kind of Google it. It's, I think it's got a pretty interesting look to it, and um, for being a very, very small, I mean, I, I, I looked at it and started getting flashbacks of the old Texas Instruments calculators we had in school, <laughs> just that, um, and that it's touting being able to play some um you know, standard PC games. I think the, the, the disclaimer is of course that we are just not in, we don't live on the enterprise yet. We don't, Yeah. <laughs> we can't have all the computing that we want in the very palm of our hand, like a tricorder. Like we're just it's not there yet. Uh, but this is, you know, every, all these little tiny baby steps to getting there. Um, the, the, Things that it seems the GPD Win 2 does well would be um, emulators, being able to play older generation games from an emulator um, in the palm of your hand. It's a Windows machine. Um, it also seems to do uh, Steam at home. Um, yeah, th that seems super decently. useful to, for, to me is the streaming Steam. You know, I can sit on the couch, play with a controller, and uh, but it's really just playing on my home computer that yeah. makes a lot of sense it's still a pretty hefty price tag uh i think for what it is um you know it's it's not a true alternative to a desktop or even a laptop yeah um and it's still running six hundred dollars at the moment but i just think that the fact that a this is the now the second iteration that's come out so obviously they had a little bit of demand for the first one yeah. enough to go out and make a second um and Looking around, they don't have a lot of competition, but there are a couple of other uh, lesser attempts by other companies. So it seems like, you know, you think with as many devices as we have in our lives right now, <laughs> that they're trying to shoehorn in yet one more, you know, smaller than a laptop, smaller than a netbook, bigger than your phone you know, shoehorn in this small gaming computer, I think um, is interesting. And it does, you know, just like the Switch, it seems like there's a an effort to get away from the TV, to get away from the desk, yeah. to have some alternatives. Um, and I thought this was an interesting, interesting one. I, I watched some of the videos of it that they had put up. And, like, it's kind of impressive like they're you know playing like doom and it looks really good like it looks like doom um there was one of tekken and like it was pretty clear that one maybe you know tekken's not the most optimized thing in the world and the characters are a little chunky and like you know a little pixelated so of course it depends on the game just just like it does on your big machine too but um you know it it does work it's a windows machine it uh it, it feels like a very inelegant solution, and I think that's exactly what they're intending. Is <laughs> like, yeah, we're gonna jam a, a, a you know powerful PC in this handheld, and it's gonna have way too many buttons, and like the the thing on each side has three shoulder buttons on each side, <laughs> like three buttons <laughs> yeah. in a triangle shape, uh, and if, yeah, it's got the you know um, 
like the Xbox style buttons kind of just jammed in there, like right above this <laughs> keyboard. Like the whole thing feels very like Microsoft de- like designed, where it's just like, yeah, we're just all the functionality, like everything's here. It doesn't have to be have to be pretty. It's just all gonna be jammed on this thing. <laughs> so in, in a way, that's kind of beautiful. Like I really like that that exists. Um, I I think for for me, and I think the you know um, having a PSP and then having a PS Vita especially. And now having a Switch, the the thing that I realize about handheld gaming, you know, having the Vita and stuff too, is like I don't necessarily want the full like console experience or the full you know PC gaming experience on the go. Like the when the Vita came out and it was so powerful, everyone just started porting their console games over to it or, or just doing those types of experiences. Which mm-hmm. which were technically very impressive. Like, oh my gosh, I can play this game that's basically exactly like this console game on this hand handheld. Then you realize it's like, yeah, but it's not really designed for like portability. You know, I I have to wear headphones so I can hear all the voice acting, and I need to devote an hour at a time just to make it through each mission. And like, I you know, it just it's not designed for me to sit on a bus. It's not designed for me to. <laughs> Sit on an airplane. You will miss like, your bus stop. Like you have to focus. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> About that with the switch. Like I'm gonna be on the train here coming up in the next month. Yeah. Uh, and I know I'm gonna be playing some Zelda, and I'm gonna have to like concentrate. Like okay, two more stops. I need to remember <laughs> two more stops from now. I have to get off the train. I can't. <laughs> Which like like the switch is nice because like what's going on everybody? Welcome to Pretty Dece Director's Cut. This is episode two. I'm Josh Meek, the Uber Geek, your host, and joining me are my usual cohorts for this show. We've got Scott. What's up, Scott? Hello, hello. And Ross is here. What's up, Ross? Hello. Gentlemen, how is it going? How's life been since last we have we have spoke? Things are good. Good, good, good. Life is just trucking right along. <laughs> Life is trucking. Life is trucking. The world is trucking. We, we we haven't exploded since the last time we had one of these shows, so that's good. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. That's I feel like bare minimum like we can be proud that that hasn't happened. Society hasn't collapsed. Everything is still humming along. That's all Some we can hope for. Are still hanging in there. <laughs> we're not we're not yet actually living a dystopian video game. <laughs> no. We're still heading there. Like we can still see <laughs> the lines. This is the prequel. This is the cutscene, the the flashback cutscene right. of in the dystopian game. <laughs> this is where like all of the yeah, exactly. In the in the flashback it's like, "Ooh, man, I see the where I we see." <laughs> exactly. I see that's going to go real real bad here in a here in a bit. Um, that's where we currently are. <laughs> Until we then, about that? nah, we're good, right? <laughs> nah, we're good. Yeah. We're fine. Until then, we've got video games, we've got uh, comic books, we've got movies, we've got all these fun things we're going to talk about here today. Uh, of course, this is the show where we uh, kind of have a long-form discussion, unlike the regular Pretty Dece episodes, where we can uh, spend way too long talking about ridiculous things that we want to talk about. That's the whole point here. So, gentlemen, let's jump right into things. Since we had... The last episode, I, I've been thinking about media I've been consuming, and I realized that like I'm getting maybe more into competitive gaming, like just in general, because um, the there's been there's been several things that have been happening. So first of all, um, Evo the the lineup for Evo 2018 got announced, and I was definitely interested in that lineup. Like, there were games that I want to see played and stuff, and I'm, like, 
more excited for Evo than normal this year. Like every year when e- when, when Evo comes up, and if, if you guys don't know, Evo is the uh, the biggest like fighting game tournament that happens every year. A bunch of different games uh, get get featured. A bunch of different um, you know winners in each of those different games, and like the games that make it on the main stage are always a big deal. And the tournament as a, as a whole is like really big. It happens in like Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, and there's this huge stage, and it's like kind of the 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 biggest thing in fighting games every year. So so every year coming up, that's always super interesting from kind of an outsider's perspective. Like, oh, that's crazy! Like there are that many people, you know, into fighting games, and they can put on this big giant tournament. Um, but I, I I was definitely way more interested this year because I've played most of the games that are going to be in the lineup and I definitely like them and I feel like I'm having this sort of fighting game resurgence right now. So that's the first thing that happened. And the other other thing that's kind of opened my eyes a bit to like competitive gaming in general is the Overwatch League, which has started and actually just completed stage one. There's like four different stages and yada yada. So like stage one ended, which is like the first sort of quarter of their of their season. And that has just been like ridiculous production values and really, really smart stuff in terms of like regional based teams, even if the players aren't necessarily regional. And like, I've liked watching that a little bit, which I didn't think that I would actually care to do whatsoever. Um, so that's also been a little surprising me. So yeah, I guess, I guess I wanted to talk in general sort of about kind of competitive gaming. If you guys were into that, if that's anything you've delved in at all or kind of where you see like, that that being at here in 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 2018 so big talk (laughs) (laughs) um i you know traditionally i have not been the biggest uh competitive gamer um i've certainly watched some um and with the overwatch league coming out now i think that's been an interesting um story that's come out um I think, unfortunately for me, the thing that I've kind of glommed onto about the Overwatch League is uh, Kotaku did an article um, early January, just when things were starting to get going, about uh, the lack of female players. Yes. Um, that there aren't any. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's like one now, maybe, or, or going to be one. Yeah, yeah. They changed, so I wasn't sure. And it, um, I think the thing that stuck out for me throughout that piece uh, was just the really terrible answers that were coming from, like you know, the reasonings behind why there aren't any, yeah, uh, women uh, on any of these teams. I thought was pretty, you know, it was just very, just terrible carbon copy. Well, you know, we don't want to hurt the team dynamics, and Ugh. you know, the oh, the, the 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 the. Co- <laughs> the cohesiveness and, you know, everyone lives together and how with the living, you know, it was just these really bad trope. Wait, the teams live together. Yeah. Yeah. Like professional teams, they'll, they'll rent a house or they'll, um, yeah, the, the, their sponsors will kind of, uh, help them to what essentially practice for God, however many hours a day, hours and hours and hours. Um, and that's, so they have this, uh, uh, living arrangement altogether is that usually how yeah so it seems like that's how it's worked and 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 this one especially so a lot of i think like competitive gaming teams like they'll like practice over the internet and all that stuff and it'll be a lot of like 
you're in your house and I'm in mine and we're, you know, hundreds of miles away. But in this especially, so they're, they do all of the, all of the matches in California. There's a studio they have. And yeah, I think all the teams are basically just like living out there, living together, practicing all the time. So it's like, it is very much, I guess, like real world overwatch is what it maybe kind of sounds like. Yeah, I but did I not think, read that I, part of the uh, the description. I was like, oh, there's a league, and they they're going to play, and I didn't really understand that they were they were doing an MTV reality show on the well, back the, end. Well, the, they're they're not. Yeah, it, it's it, they're they're at most doing like sort of like um, you know pieces on like, hey, let's find out who this person is. But that's very very minor. But like in real life, they are all in person, so they can show up at this studio you know, several times a week, a week or whatever and play. So um, by kind of necessity, they are living together. I think, um, sorry, I don't mean to drag the <laughs> drag the conversation too far away, um, but I just, I, I think that maybe it's good that the topic came up so quickly after the the start of the season and that it's being talked about, I think is a positive. Um, so, but yeah, as far as competitive gaming overall, um just to to you asked about our our experience and opinions and I I've dabbled I keep coming back like uh here and there um you know I certainly play Crucible and Destiny um I tried for Honor when it came out um and I just I just wish I just don't have the thumb skill <laughs> I, don't the, I don't have the the uh the acumen or the the hours and hours of drive it would take to to get good as the kids say. Um, <laughs> so, but I do enjoy, I do enjoy watching it. I, I think that that's, um, that that's maybe the thing that, that I finally got over. Cause like, cause for a while it was like, I don't care about super competitive gaming. Cause I know that I'll never get there. I'll know that I'll never like be at that point. And I think I got over that hurdle of like, okay, that, that's how like real sports fans watch sports. Like they know they're never going to be able to do it, but they can like watch it and admire it and appreciate it because they go, maybe play like pickup basketball or whatever. It's like I can play Overwatch really terribly, but then I can see like the skill level and and admire the the skill level, which I, it was hard for me at first because it was like I felt so much more connected than like watching a basketball player on TV because it was like this is a thing I do. I game. Like I don't care about, you know, someone who can do it better. But anyway, on the thing about women, I think that that's interesting that you you bring that up and you know, obviously we're three dudes talking about women being represented in things so (laughs) like massive grains of salt with everything we say i'm sure but massive it uh yeah i think that it's first of all it's it's good that someone pointed that out very early (laughs) you know i mean and and i think that it says a good thing about sort of the world that someone did point it out that like that we didn't just take it for granted they're like oh yeah of course there aren't any women in the overwatch league don't be stupid um you know I'm, i'm glad that like at least we're at the point where someone can say like this is a little strange, right? Yeah, yeah. <coughs> and, yeah. And, and and the the fact that the infrastructure exists within the game already to be like, hey, like there's a female streamer or video game player, and like she's ranked number ten in the world. So yeah. why is she not playing? Yeah, she's kicking ass. I so you know obviously I play a lot of Magic, and there was just a, an article. I I just pulled it up so I could, I could reference her by name because I, I couldn't remember her name but uh thea miller who writes for tcg player wrote an article called death by a thousand paper cuts 
um, that just just came out this past week, which I I, I think is really interesting and is makes paints some really good parallels to this and. You know, because they're, it's the same in Magic. It's the same, you know, Magic is also a, a competitive game. And there are more women in Magic than you see in, like, video games. But but still, like, it's such a tiny margin. It, it's ridiculously small. And this article, she kind of, like, walks down through, like, a woman showing up at Friday Night Magic for the first time. Like, you know, got excited about Magic, playing it on, like, Magic Duels showed up in person and like, you know, it was a good experience at first, but then it's like comments about like, Oh, you're here to play magic. And like, Oh, who's your boyfriend and things like that. Right. Like that's the thousand paper cuts of making you feel unwelcome is like constantly being kind of pushed as an outsider. Like you don't belong here. This isn't for you. It's a surprise that you're here. I'm more mad that you beat me because you're a girl, all those sorts of things. Yeah. So, like, and I'm sure the same is true for, obviously the same is true for Overwatch, for any other competitive game. It's like, it's just such a, like, so many little things that add up to like, yeah, it's probably easier if I just don't participate. <laughs> you know, it's probably easier if I'm just not even included. Which, you know, that's from the female competitor side. And then, yeah, you also have the... Um, you know, male-dominated teams saying, you know, trash like we wouldn't want to disrupt the balance. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's kind of yeah, yeah from like both sides. There's, I'm sure, like lots of like, you know, I don't want to be involved, and then I don't want them involved. So, um, it's definitely a problem, and I I hope they really don't. I hope they don't go the route of like we're gonna make a women's Overwatch league because that's completely Which missing the point. I just think. dumb. Yeah, yeah, especially for. <laughs> Something like this, right? Like the playing field's pretty even. It's just yeah. your thumb skill. <laughs> yeah, you're good to go. It's not like somebody can physically lift something more or less or anything like yeah. that. Like, no. <laughs> it would be great if they, if in retaliation, there would be an all-female team that just goes in and wrecks house. That oh, would yeah. be really fun to watch. That would be that'd be awesome. Um, as far as like, oh well, since you didn't want to disrupt the dynamic with having you know multiple players on the same team, we just made our own, and here we are. Here we are, and we're just gonna. It's like your guys are on the right track to something really cool, and then you go and you just like blow it like that. Come yeah. on, those the like you know the 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 lack of women who might want to like participate in a competitive game. I can see then leading to, well, yeah, we have way more male representation on the teams. Um, just by nature of, yeah, like, you know, women not participating because of like all of the nature of the, of the community. But then yeah, to give, to give answers like that is just so tone deaf, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like it, it would be so much better if your answer was just like, oh, we didn't take gender into account. It was just pure skill level who we, that we were evaluating players on or, or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but to give such like a 1950s answer is, is ridiculous. Yeah. I think I think it stands out a lot too at this point to where, you know, in the instant information age, um, that we have this opportunity to get inform you know, to to ask these questions, you know, to have articles and to have media question decisions of an organization um is good, but it just feels like the then the follow up, the change the to follow um, it's probably going to take some time and, you know, the, the instant Twitter, Instagram 
greatness of us wants wants things to be better right now and it's um probably one of those one of those things that's just going to take a little bit of time yeah yeah I, I think so and you know i think i think maybe part of the reason why i'm getting more into this stuff now is because it's it's maybe becoming less gross than it used to be and 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 it yeah. i'm sure, sure it still is but like i know like hearing about like competitive fighting games and stuff like in the past five or six years or so like there are points where it was just like really really gross in terms of like the yeah like misogynistic just like idiots that were like participating in in that you know so um and i i think especially with fighting games that was a big thing as it's become more mainstream is like oh it's losing its edge like i've definitely felt that and heard heard people like talk about that um which is you know <laughs> for the for the world is a good thing that uh People are becoming less stupid and, and and more welcoming and open. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a a process as that stuff goes. Because I've not really had any too in depth experience with fighting games. Like I remember, as I was younger and learning video games, like fighting the fighting game genre was it was like that or a third person shooter, right? Like it's either Mortal Kombat or Contra. <laughs> yeah. And I was just so terrible at fighting games that I've never really gotten into them. I think the only one that I tried to get good at was the Mortal Kombat DC crossover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one? One of my roommates had it, and I didn't have to buy it. (laughs) Um, But I've never quite gotten into into fighting games, and so I'm not really well-versed on that culture of... It sounds maybe a little bit more meatheadish. Yeah, I think that it definitely it definitely used to be in that for sure. Like it was well, because I mean, if you think back to like the arcades, right? It was, um, you know, I walk up to a machine, slam my quarter down, and it means that I'm next. And it was like it was a very like confrontational thing, like way more than than other video games where it is a competition. But fighting games always seems like they they feel like more of a fight, like you know the the games themselves have taunts built into them and there's just like always been showboating, you know, that I've always heard of in the, the community and stuff. So yeah, I think, I think it was very, it's a very like meathead focused um, thing, you know, in, in, in a lot of cases. And I, I do think that's better. Like, it seems like it is better, but I, you know, again, like just looking at it like very surface level, you know, not, not knowing a ton about it, but yeah, from, from you, won't, the, you won't see uh Oh, no, I was ahead. just gonna say you weren't. You won't see uh, Mortal Kombat fatalities in a, a third-person single-player only shooter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and you know, like I love Mortal Kombat, but that is, yeah, that's a perfect example of like this is this is who you're this is who you're aiming exactly for. You're aiming for twelve-year-old boys who think this is cool, right? Like, um, yeah, that's, that's that was the worst too when you when you talk about the arcade, like going in there and playing at the arcade, and you know you play some kid. And like the the last the ending, you know, it's one thing when the computer does it, but when someone else is like doing the button combination after the round is over, you've lost. The game is over, <laughs> but they're good enough that they can actually do all the combos and you know rip your spine out through the back through your back is pretty. Uh, it's just the <laughs> the nail in the coffin, the ultimate taunt. Well, yeah, I mean, it is it is the especially in the, in the arcade, it is the real life version of like teabagging someone after you get a kill in a shooter. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's that it is that just like hammer the point home. I just completely destroyed you. So yeah, yeah. It's, it, it it would shock me very little why anyone would not want to participate in that. <laughs> so. 
you know, from from just a person playing games alone in their house perspective, I think fighting games are are super fun lately because they've started incorporating a lot of modes that aren't just direct, like go fight another real person. You know that 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 was where games were at a long time. It was like there's an arcade mode where you can play like. 12 matches and do that over and over again if you want, or you can play online. And, like, those are the two things. And nowadays, like, all the fighting games that are coming out have, like, really good story modes or, like, you know, Tekken 7 has a mode where, you know, you're just sort of, like, earning money and you're facing up against, like, weird random uh, conglomerations of fighters with different, like, stipulations and stuff on the fights and then... You know, you're unlocking, you know, cash and you're unlocking things that your fighters can wear and stuff like that. And there's this all this huge customization aspect. And, you know, you, you have games like Injustice, which has this crazy story mode that you can play through that's actually, like, really, really good and really well done. So I like that, like, they're they're a fun thing to get good at, even if you're just playing against the, the bots or whatever. And, and I like that's the direction they've gone. Which is, you know, that makes it fun because then it's like... Oh, I know these characters. I understand the moves. I understand generally, like, oh, this person's a slow character. This person's a fast character, and then I can apply that logic to like two superstars playing the game. Right? <laughs> you know, I I know the general mechanics, but now I can watch someone who's actually good at the game do it. I think that's a cool yeah. thing. And I think so. For me to get into a competitive game, like I watched, uh, I've watched some Overwatch, but I've, I've never like I don't own it, so I don't don't quite understand everything that's going on. I just enjoy yeah. watching people go crazy. But, like, um, much in the same way you see things happen on, like, if you're watching the NBA and then you try to go and do something like that in a pickup game, I enjoy games that allow the, like, amateur player to experience some of those hero moments that you see. Like, you can watch somebody with a particular build and think, like, oh, I want to try that. Yeah, yeah. And to see, like, if it works for you or if it feels good and whatnot, because... Um, in the middle of Destiny's one's life cycle, I watched a guy that was playing the gunslinger uh, hunter build with um, throwing knives that would cool down right away. And he was, you got bonus accuracy if you had a, uh, a hand cannon, if you were in the air. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing that and like just jumping around all nimbly bimbly and the hitbox changes, right? So if you, if you angle somebody from above the majority of that hitbox is their face. And so you have a higher probability of hitting that cooldown. Okay. And I like I watched somebody do that, and afterwards they explained like what they were doing. He's like, "Oh yeah, I'm not jumping for the necessarily the the gun accuracy. It's just that you jump, and then the majority of the hitbox goes from the head being this little thing at the top to the head being the only thing that you can possibly hit. So you automatically get the kill. Huh? Yeah. See- oh, that makes sense. I want to try that. And so. Uh, but games where it's just you have to be so lightning quick. I remember like watching people play Street Fighter in the arcade when I was super little, and would just like I there was no way that I would be able to compete at that level, yeah. and I'm now not at all quick enough to compete at that level. That's actually you know pointing out the sort of tutorial aspect of it where you like you see something crazy, but then the reason that it sticks with you and you want to go try it and that it's fascinating is because then you have the person who like slows it down and says, well, here's why I'm doing this. Like, here's why it's important. And it's stuff like that that I think is, is maybe what games are getting better at now, or at least, you know, people that are streaming games and playing games. Cause, um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about several like Fortnite streamers, for example, that, you know, you, you watch them and you maybe, and you've played the game maybe. And, 
you're like, I, I, can, I can kill some people. I understand how guns work and stuff, but you don't understand, like, the building aspect. And then you watch streamers, and they're, one, like, building things like crazy and using building defensively so you can kind of learn from that. But the good ones will also, like, explain that while they're doing it. Like, you know, oh, you know, you... You only want to build, like, you know, one by one because then you're not wasting resources or you don't want to build too high because then you'll fall and take fall damage. And, like, they'll explain all those things as you go. Um, it, weirdly, you know, as, for as complicated as the game is, Dota does a good, do- good, a, a good job of that when they do their international tournament because they always have a new player stream. So it's a separate stream that's casting the games that's just for new people getting into the games where they have casters that are explaining things like oh they picked this you know particular character because of these reasons or you know he's going over here to the map to do these things and here's why he would do that and here's how he knew to do that and he took these items because of these reasons um so yeah i I like that that is becoming more and more of a thing now as games get more complicated and as we are playing games more and more competitively i like that we are taking the time to explain those things to kind of bring more people into the fold it's cool because or at least I didn't really think about it until, like, I was watching some competitive shoutcasters and stuff like that, where they would actually do that, where if you grow up playing, like, basketball or football or something, you kind of already have a sense of how the game works, and then the, the commentators, you know, expand that a little bit more, Yeah. even if they're really dumb uh, at times, but <laughs> it's, like, part of their job is to entertain you, and I think that if you, if the this kind of new competitive uh, broadcast medium can think about like the people that would just like stop by because it's on the front page of Twitch or things like that. Like not like you shouldn't gear the commentary towards the elite person because they already know this. Like again, break it down for us. You know, don't treat people like idiots for sure, but just help them get acquainted with the game or why you would even do that. Um, so then like they're they're more likely to try it themselves or to at least get into it of like, oh, I know what he's doing now, but like and you caught it before the commentator even thought about it. Like, yeah. oh, he's gonna build this, watch, watch, and then like it pays off. And then you can start actually having fun, like watching it with people and things like that. Yeah, definitely. You know, you bring up football and like I was just thinking about it here. Like, you know, we've been playing the game that football takes place in our whole lives. It's, it's just called life, right? Like, I understand how to move my character around. I understand how to walk. I've caught a ball yes. before. <laughs> like, I, I get all of the basis for it, and the, the thing that commentary then can bring to it is, like, you know, the extra skill that these people have put into to do those things better than I can do. When I, when I look at a game like Overwatch... And, and I have never played the game before, I know literally nothing about it. I, I might not even, like, it, 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 it could be that, like, you can't jump in the game, or it could be that, like, you die when a monster looks at you. Like, you know, the, the rules are completely thrown out the window, I, and, and I have to start from zero, unlike when I'm looking at something like football or whatever, where, where, where it applies, yeah, like, real-world physics. people throwing fireballs right? football. Right, exactly. Right? It's like, how did he do that? Oh, yeah, he got a power-up about (laughs) exactly so like it adds that extra level of like there's such a wide berth that you have to bring someone up to where where you're not you have no idea where they're starting from so it you know it makes it a real challenge i think for for that there's a and i really hope that maybe uh the video game world as a collective can take a step forward and not be exclusionary with that just like i like i tried 
legitimately tried, and I should have recorded it, tried to play Fortnite, because you <laughs> loved it so much, and you've been talking about it both on Pretty Bees and then uh, when we've been playing together, and I just got straight up owned. Yeah. 32 seconds is what my lifetime was. <laughs> 32 seconds. I dropped in. I didn't know why I was falling out of a plane. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, but, like, if you then go and watch it, I hope that people don't take like my example and be like, Oh, you're such a noob. Like you're just terrible. Why would I even try to explain this to you? And like, try to bring people into the fold of that and maybe be a little bit more inclusive. Yeah. I think that it's a natural inclination for a lot of gamers to be elitist about things. And it probably just comes from like, you know, like I, I felt like a nerd and, and an outcast my whole life. And then, now this is my thing that I get to make other people feel outcast about, and you know I don't know that that might be it or it might just be people are jerks, but um, I feel like I feel like that that happens a lot of just the like huh, noob didn't know you're gonna fall out of a plane in the middle of Fortnite, um, but yeah like that's it's something that we need to, as a community an entire gaming community need to get over real fast because it's yeah it's real dumb. On the Fortnite front, though, Ross, <laughs> yes, Fortnite has a real problem because there's, as I was telling, I was I was texting you. There's no, there's like zero tutorial. Like you, you you drop into. Why do I have a <clears throat> right? Exactly. If you, if you know nothing, like I came into playing Fortnite having watched it streamed a bunch. So I, there's a, a streamer named Wavy that I I really enjoy, and I found him because he was playing Super Mario Odyssey. He was like speed running Odyssey. So I was watching that, and then the next time I tuned in to watch him, after I watched him play play Mario a few times, he was playing this game, Fortnite. I was like, I don't know what this is, but I'll check it out. So I had watched a bunch of Fortnite before even downloading Fortnite for the first time. So I understood sort of the basis of the game, because I'd seen him do it. But if you go into Fortnite mostly blind, there's zero tutorial. They don't tell you anything about, about the game. Um, you get dropped on this sort of, like, staging island, and you have a pickaxe and a bunch of people have guns and you have no idea why they're shooting at you and you don't know what's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, boom, you're in a flying bus. And yes, you you get thrown out of said flying bus. You're plummeting down towards uh, an island. And then if you if you manage to, to make it down to the island, you have people shooting at you like almost instantly, like depending on where you land. And yeah, like they, they don't tell you anything about like why yeah. you have the pickaxe, how to build, anything like that. Um, so, which is a big problem for the game. The, the, the reason they tell you nothing is because all of that, like, tutorial stuff is over in the save the world mode, which you have to pay to get into right now. <laughs> so, ah. it's like, a, it's a real weird thing of just, you, the, the, the Battle Royale side is, like, way more popular, tons more people are in it, but it doesn't do any sort of that job of, like, telling you what's going on in the game. <laughs> Because I was all excited to be like, to uh, to tell you that I'd actually tried to play it and like describe some things that had happened. Now, <laughs> death. In I death. In and immediately died. <laughs> so the um, yeah, I I will say like general advice for Fortnite, um, just to kind of get a bearing on like how things work. Try to drop. So when you drop out of the plane, you can sort of aim yourself as you're falling. So like try yeah. to fall towards a place that has nothing going on around it. Like, there aren't any buildings, anything like that. Just fall to a general area and then start using your pickaxe on some trees and just just anything you see in the world, you can, you, you can pickaxe down. And, okay. And then you'll, <clears throat> after you collect resources, 
there's um, a way to switch over to the building mode. And there are like a few things you can build. You can build like floors, walls, or ramps are, are like the three main things that, that you would build. And I would say just like play with building a little bit. If someone comes up on you, you'll definitely die, but at least you should hopefully have a few minutes to like figure out how building and stuff like that works. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, after a while, like once you get used to that, start dropping where like a building is or something and start, you know, scavenging it for guns and things like that. And then you can start getting into fights from, from that point. But um, yeah, it, it's good to at least take your first few tries just to like get the building mechanics uh, under your belt because they don't explain those whatsoever and they're very important <laughs> to the game. <laughs> it kind of sets the game apart from like PUBG and stuff like that, I'd heard. Yeah. But I was like, I don't know anything about this. Yeah. Did a little bit of searching afterwards. I was like, oh, that's why that red wall kept popping up. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Scott, have you played Fortnite at all? I haven't. Okay. It's downloaded, but I, I've watched uh, a fair amount. Okay. But I uh, haven't tried it myself. Yeah, it's, you know, like the general mechanics like are very, like, if you know Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, you, you generally know, like, what Fortnite's going to be about. But, yeah, like, the building is the big thing that sets it apart. Um, and like the, the really good streamers will do just insane buildings. Like their, their fights, like one-on-one will become these super intense things where they're building ramps and putting walls up and then like building ramps around the walls to try to get around behind somebody and, uh, you know, rockets exploding parts of the things you built and you building new things to fall on so you don't die. And, um, meanwhile, my fights are like, I stood behind a tree and you still managed to kill me. So here we are. (laughs) (laughs) I had been meaning to ask the the save the world mode that you had talked about. Uh-huh. Is there is there a co op? I can't remember if I asked you this already. There but... is, yeah, and it uh, it works generally pretty well. It um so the because I've always I've always been a big fan of uh, horde mode type games, and I think I could I could see myself kind of getting into that style of you know preparing, yep. resource gathering, preparing, and then trying to survive until the next round. That sounds like a a thing I could do. Yeah, it is a it is a super fun game. It's super unique on that side. Um, the and it is the best with friends. That's how I played. I that's how I played a lot of it so far. And mm-hmm. when you have friends, so it's it's very unique in that exactly as you said, it's resource gathering to start a map off. Like everyone has to go, you know, get their various building materials. People have different like quests and stuff they're 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 going on. And then at some point, you kick off the actual mission, which is where, like, the horde mode starts. So it's a bunch of enemies attacking a certain point. The idea being, before you kick that off, you've worked together to build up a fort, build up your defenses, put up traps, whatever you're going to do to, you know, fend off the enemies. And you definitely have to build, because if you don't, you lose your your whatever you're defending, like, instantly. Like, other things just swarm in. So... Mm -hmm. It's it's best in co-op where you can talk to the people that you're you're dealing with to say like oh do you have enough resources or here's how I want to build or like let's let's do it this way <laughs> and then when you when you join up with random people because the the game will always be co-op so even if you're playing alone you'll get joined in with random people sure for the most part people are generally on board with like you know we're gonna gather for a while and then we'll kick things off and. We'll make sure we've built the fort, but you definitely always have the people who start the mission too soon or who don't want to <laughs> contribute to the fort building or whatever. They just want to shoot guns and don't want to bother building. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it is a it is a super, super fun game in co-op for that exact reason. And 
there there are um, missions you get to on it where you have to defend your personal home base. And those are some of the most challenging points of the game. And with those, they're really fun to do in co-op because all the stuff that you build uh, will maintain. So the next time you come back to your home base, it'll still be there, uh, unlike the other the other missions. So that's cool because you can work together with your friends to spend a lot of time like planning out and thinking out this base. And you know it's going to stick around. That's why you can spend a little bit more time on it. So... Um, nice. Yeah, highly, highly recommended on the Save the World stuff. And at some point this year, that's going to go completely free to play. So right now you have to pay to get into it, but eventually it will be free like the other side is. Cool. So, yeah, Fortnite. Fortnite is fun. Ross, you should try it again. <laughs> are, are you playing on Xbox? I am. Okay, I'll, I will download the Xbox version and we can, we can Fortnite it up together at some point. Sweet. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of in a weird place because the... Um, the PC version, so that's where I've primarily been playing, and the PS4 version will, like, share data and stuff, so, like, all of my progress will go back and forth between those two uh, platforms. The Xbox version does not link into that for some reason. <laughs> I don't I don't know why, um, but that's, that's it's weird. fine. Yeah, that it's, sounds pretty par for the course. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Xbox not playing along. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely uh, jump in and check it out. Uh, to move on to our next topic, speaking of you know gaming, one of the things that we'd uh, we'd put on the list here to talk about because it keeps coming up more and more, um, you know, as as time goes by, is the this concept of you know cloud gaming, gaming in the cloud. Games are um, you know very graphically intensive now. PC gaming is is huge in a, in a place where you know it hasn't been. Uh, in in years past, and it, it takes a very powerful machine to run a lot of games. So a lot of companies are coming out right now. That Nvidia has their uh, grid system. There's a company named Liquid Sky that's doing this. There's a company called Vortex that's doing this, where they're they're basically turning into serviced to service based gaming. So uh, you don't have a fancy machine yourself. You just have your regular personal computer. And you're connecting to a remote server that is running a powerful machine. And they spin up the game for you and you get to play. So instead of you having the game locally, you're connecting via the internet to a game running on a, on a powerful machine. And, you're, and then you're paying per time or whatever. So this is a super, super interesting thing. Because I, I think it's a solution to an interesting problem. But... I, I'm super interested, interested in what you guys think about this. Is this like a thing you would use? Do you think it's cool and you would never touch it? Do you see it as the future? Like kind of, kind of where do you land on it? Scott? Well, I think the, it's been interesting and I've been trying to read up, um, watching some YouTube videos. Um, cause it's, it's a, an idea that's, it's pretty new to me. I just wonder about the, like what, type of gaming you know uh, developers and hardware folks are envisioning for this service you know the idea that I would imagine a lot of folks that they maybe are targeting are probably people who already have a fairly hefty desktop system you know they're already fans of World of Warcraft or yeah, The Witcher or Shadow of Mor- whatever Name your high, high bandwidth, high volume needs a graphics card to run game. 
you know, those folks already have the, the tower in their computer gaming area. And so this is aimed at them doing that type of gaming, but not from that desk. Well, I think, I think they're probably hoping that they're opening that market up to people who would not normally even play those games, but then might be interested. Like, you know, you aren't, you, you being someone who, you know, doesn't have a gaming machine, has never played World of Warcraft, has never played whatever, Far Cry, but are interested in it, you're not going to plunk down the $1,000 for a gaming PC, but maybe you'd plunk down the $10 a month for their service. I, I would guess that's maybe the thing that they're hoping they're going to be able to capture. Okay. So and that, were... that to me sounds like, that sounds like, if that's the the... The audience that they're, that they're trying to capture it sounds i think it sounds interesting it seems like the hurdle that's still kind of out there is just the the bandwidth yes. to get it to work even on you know um chromebook or laptop or whatever hardware that it's still going to that it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna be a hefty uh hefty amount of data going into and out of um, so, but, you know, uh, technology problems being what they are, they just keep finding ways to make them faster, smaller. Um, so I'm sure those are hurdles that they're going to continue to, to work on, uh, getting over. Um, I think it, it sounds interesting. I don't know that it would be something, I guess I just being someone who's already made some investment in hardware, mm-hmm. uh, because I do want to play games and have them look good. Um, I just don't think it would be something that I would I would be into. Um, and in talking to folks, I, I think it's going to take some some work on the part of game developers as well as hardware to to reach a new audience. Um, you know, folks who I, I guess I just keep coming back to this idea of the games that take this that 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 require. Um, that would require the service to work are games that you sit down and play for like hours and hours at a time. Yeah. You know, the, the playing a game for 15 minutes is what we do on our phones with angry bird and whatever else. I know I'm just super dating myself with all these old <laughs> iOS games, but <laughs> you know, the, so far the, 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 the machine in everyone's hand right now in their phone you know, the iOS games are big, big business. Um, everyone has something, you know, my mom plays HQ and whatever, like yeah. the, the, the amount of gaming that's getting out there to the masses that everyone is involved in, that everyone's spending a little bit of money on um, is this real quick hitting 15 minutes and if you want to then go after a portion of that audience and say, hey, we're giving you this opportunity to play a super <laughs> labor-intensive, m- massively multiplayer online. Like, I, I just wonder, is is the type of games going to change where they try and bridge some of those types of gaps? Or um, I'm, I'm curious so, where this goes. I think, it's, I think it is the future, but I'm curious. I, I don't think we're the idea of okay now you can play this game on your laptop i think there are going to be some some changes that have to be made to to make it work whether that's the type of game the type of audience i don't think it's the the, we haven't seen the final picture yet so are you are you just saying that like 
gaming is changing in general and the audience is changing that like maybe the people out there who want to you know play for hours on end aren't there anymore is that or that there aren't that the it almost feels like the 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 nvidia's the the folks who are trying to set up these types of structures maybe are trying to aim at a new audience yeah um and so i just wonder about what you know what, what that audience that wants, audience wants us yeah. to play yeah <laughs> what is it that they're uh, going to be interested in and how might that change what we're going to be seeing yeah that, that's a good point i you know i i i also wonder if that market exists that that market yeah so people who like have a laptop or have uh you know a, a ipad pro or whatever like a tablet that has a decently sized screen but don't have a gaming computer but are you know hardcore enough to want to play these games, right? Because the, the games that you would be playing are things that are like, yeah, like first-person shooters, MMOs, stuff that, you know, would someone that, that would be into that would normally maybe already want to make the commitment to a gaming PC. So, like, I wonder, yeah, if that segment does exist. Um, you know, I... I guess I could see it like being aimed at someone who like you know has a Mac or whatever and and wants the full like Windows PC experience, and and goes that way. Or yeah, like like it could be that there's this whole segment of people who just don't want to deal with the hassle of a gaming PC, and that's why they play on consoles. But if this was available, well, heck, they'll they'll turn their you know Dell desktop into a you know super high end PC for a few hours play a game sure you know I'm, I, that that might that might exist you pointed I out could... bandwidth i think that that's a huge one because we still live in a world where you know and, and even increasingly so like like you know comcast putting in data caps firm firm caps uh just within the last year or so um you know big parts of our country don't even have broadband yet and you know readily accessible broadband and you know i'm sure this is going to need something you know um better than Netflix quality to be able to stream games without any lag or anything. So like just that alone, just like internet speed probably cuts a lot of people out of this. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll, I think it's going to have some, some challenges to meet right, right off the bat. See, I can see myself getting in, getting behind something like this. Yeah. Cause I like, while I think the, the act or the the process of building a PC would be really interesting. Uh, one, I might not be very good at it. And then two, it's a lot of money. And then you have to keep up your hardware, right? Yes. Like hardware gets outdated, new technology comes out. And so if I was paying like 11 bucks a month for essentially the best hardware all the time, does that come out in the wash when we start talking like long-term? Like at what point in, how long do I have to subscribe to the service to get to the point of where it would equal out if I just, like, straight-up built yeah. a gaming rig. I mean, it, um, it probably ends up being slightly more expensive. I'm just guessing. But, like, when 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 that slightly more expensive is over the course of, like, two years paying, yeah, like, 10 12 bucks a month versus, like, okay, now I'm going to plunk $400 on a video card and $200 <laughs> on a CPU all at once... And then I'm going to Lego these things together and cross my fingers. Oh my gosh, I hope this works. Um, 
yeah, that that probably is a, a much more pleasing proposition for a lot of people. You know, it's if it's a thing that I can just throw money at and then just like entertainment shows up on my screen, like like Netflix. Yeah, that's the perfect example right there. People have shown that they uh, will sign up for that in droves. And I think that to get it to work, like for me to want to subscribe to it, like the catalog then has to come with it. I don't just want to pay for the GPU service, essentially. It, yeah, that's a good point. But like, I want to be able to then like boot up, you know, Overwatch or boot up Witcher or whatever, whatever game I want to play, I want it to be available. That's a at that point. Yeah, that would be an instant sign up for me if if that was the case. It would be right. if it was, you know, here's fifteen dollars a month, whatever it is. Here's access to like you know super high end computers you can spin up at a moment's notice, and play any of these of this game library. I would be in for sure. Um, all the ones at least I've seen so far, I think are, you know, you can buy these games on our service and then you can pay us to play them or, or whatever. And right. Yeah. Because if that's the case, then I want to be able to then use the service for let's. Say like, oh, I don't really know if I want to buy, want to like plunk the money into a gaming rig, yeah. but I do know that I would like to play Overwatch on the PC. And so, okay, but like, I go through their service, I buy Overwatch, and then realize like, oh yeah, I could really get into this. Like, I really like mouse and keyboard. The graphics are great. The fidelity's good. Like now, I'm sold on like, yes, I would do this. I will build the PC now. Now I want to bring that copy of Overwatch onto my own rig. Yeah. Like, I don't want it to then be trapped. Like, I don't want it to be, like, uh, some of those movie streaming services where it's like, if you pay for your movie through us, that's the only thing you can watch it through. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, that's dumb. Why would I do that? Yeah, I, I'm already super uncomfortable about the amount of control that I give up with, like, licensing and you're not actually purchasing anything when it comes to gaming anymore. Like, I don't need more of that segmentation of, of where I'm buying <laughs> things. I will say that this could be super cool. I I was just thinking about different like avenues that this could go. You know, everyone always talks about you know like like when the when Far Cry first came out, right? It was this insane graphical powerhouse. Computers couldn't run it as they were now. It's like the high end machine only runs it at medium settings. What if they? What if this became super prevalent? Everyone used these services, and then games could just start being like ridiculous like not only are they graphically intensive but they're doing like physics calculations that only like you know three thousand dollar computers can run but it doesn't matter because they're all running in the cloud anyway or you know the fact that they're in the cloud means they can sort of you know spin up one giant server that does everyone's calculations or, or or whatever like like what if that lets gaming get pushed even farther than we can when we're not running stuff locally that could be a cool avenue because this is where I was listening to one of your episodes on the drive home. I got really excited when you were talking about there was the Battle Royale game that was going to be able to increase uh, player, yeah, the player size exponentially. And I thought that's really interesting because if you could run, if you could split things so that the client, uh, the local client and the remote client would talk to one another and then just offset all of the heavy lifting, which is what I thought initially Microsoft wanted to do with their their Azure servers yeah that was so you can rent space on their azure servers for like whatever you want if you have like giant data sets that you want to analyze you can do that but that was something that they pitched with titanfall back like the original titanfall back in the day when it was just a microsoft exclusive 
like they they use the Azure servers, and it was one of the few games that actually launched with Microsoft that didn't have incredible server meltdown initially. <laughs> and it's just like so that's what I where I thought we were going to be heading with the uh, the Xbox One line of con like that console line was like more and more of the physics, more of the heavy lifting, and the graphics would be be uh, calculated off site. Yeah, and then whatever was happening like immediately things that would give you like immediate tactile feedback, like your, your movement and like where you are in the XYZ planes, then that would be handled by your own, your own uh, console. That, that was kind of what they, so when the Xbox one was first announced, they announced it of course with like always online DRM. And because you'll always be connected to the internet, the, here are the things we can do. And that was, yeah, that was one of the things. And they, they talked about it with crackdown of like, the the physics calculations will happen in the cloud and, and all that stuff was going on, which of course is now not happening in the same way <laughs> they were talking about. But um, it's it is is an interesting idea, and you know, back then when the Xbox One was announced, people were not ready for that that future. Like they they, they were forcing a future that was that's coming, but people weren't weren't there for, it, and I wasn't there for, it, and thought they really bungled that. But when you look at games now, like like we've we've signed up for that ourselves. Like look look at how many games people play that are just services now that that aren't um, you know single player things that I install on my machine stuff that's you you're only playing online or you have to be connected online or you know it's only a game that you can play against ninety nine none other other people on an island like you know those those types yeah. of things that we experience now so much more than than we used to. So like if I always ha- had to be connected to the internet for a physics c- calculation for Fortnite. That'd be fine because the game is only online, right? Like, right. Um, so that I could see like that circling around and becoming a thing again now that games are so much more of a service than they used to be as well. Yeah, for sure. I think I think there are some pretty cool opportunities in that model. The idea that the the box in my room doesn't have to do as much computing that it can, that I would pay for a service. Me and the other 5 million people paying for the service (laughs) would be funding, you know, server farms after server farms that can, that can take on some pretty hefty, uh, hefty work. And, you know, with game developers programming for that model versus the one that they are now could lead to some pretty cool, uh, pretty cool innovation yeah i think so i i think that there's like the big jumps that have to happen is one you have to not have a company like nvidia doing it like anything that nvidia announces or puts out i feel like all of their marketing and stuff is just instantly puts off like 90 percent of consumers like i don't know (laughs) i don't know what it is about them but anything that they talk about just makes it seem like oh i'm never gonna get this 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 is not something for me (laughs) um and you have to get there in terms of like <clears throat> value. Like you have to have a proposition like we were talking about that just seems too good to be true. Like that's how Netflix streaming got as huge as it did. Like you told people like, you know, hundreds and hundreds of things you can watch for 7.99 or whatever it started out as. Um and it just it just seemed like like an embarrassment of of riches and and I think this has to get to that point of I can play this many games for only this amount. And I don't need a crazy computer. Like it just has to sort of, you know, talk you into it from that. But yes, anyway, that is 
That is cloud gaming. It, it'll be interesting to see kind of if there's a big player that comes out in that in the next year or two. Like if if there is a Netflix of this category that that starts becoming the front runner. Because because right now it seems a little too splintered to sort of like pick one and like try it out. You know, you're sort of waiting for the the VHS Betamax wars to end. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of this, um, was it was it Ross that put on the the GDP win two story, or was that you? Scott? Um, that was me. Okay, let's. I so I I was looking into this thing. <laughs> Why don't you tell me about the the GPD win two? Well, um, I you know like I mentioned in our write up, it's not something that I have seen firsthand. Uh, something I've been reading a little bit about, and kind of I, I got to thinking about you know in one of the advantage of one of the advantages of the NVIDIA systems we were talking about um, would be being able to game a little less traditionally. Yeah. You know, not having to sit at the desk in the computer and being able to do it from the couch, being able to do it from wherever. Um, and so the, are there any alternatives to the, the desktop gaming? And I came across uh, this GPD win two. Uh, it's a, they're a, Indiegogo uh, crowdfunded um, outfit, and this is the second iteration of a handheld uh, gaming computer. And it looks—it's uh, got a six-inch screen. It's got a full keyboard that's meant to be typed with your thumbs, so pretty small. Um, it has bumpers. Uh, joysticks. Um, you can kind of Google it. It's. I think it's got a pretty interesting look to it. And um, for being a very, very small, I mean, I, I, I looked at it and started getting flashbacks of the old Texas Instruments calculators we had in school. <laughs> Just that, um, and that it's touting being able to play some, um, you know, standard PC games. I think the 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 disclaimer is, of course, that we are just not in. We don't live on the enterprise yet. We don't. Yeah. <laughs> we can't have all the computing that we want in the very palm of our hand, like a tricorder. Like we're just not there yet. Uh, but this is, you know, every all these little tiny baby steps to getting there. Um, the the things that it seems the GPD Win 2 does well would be um, emulators, being able to play older generation games from an emulator um, in the palm of your hand. It's a Windows machine. Um, it also seems to do uh, Steam at home. Um, yeah, th that seems super decently. useful to, for, to me, is the streaming Steam, you know, I can sit on the couch, play with a controller, and uh, but it's really just playing on my home computer that yeah. makes a lot of sense it's still a pretty hefty price tag uh i think for what it is um you know it's it's not a true alternative to a desktop or even a laptop yeah um and it's still running six hundred dollars at the moment but i just think that the fact that a this is the now the second iteration that's come out so obviously they had a little bit of demand for the first one yeah. enough to go out and make a second um and Looking around, they don't have a lot of competition, but there are a couple of other uh, lesser attempts by other companies. So it seems like, you know, you think with as many devices as we have in our lives right now <laughs> that they're trying to shoehorn in yet 
one more, you know, smaller than a laptop, smaller than a netbook, bigger than your phone, you know, shoehorn in this small gaming computer, I think um, is interesting. And I does, you know, just like the switch, it seems like there's a, an effort to get away from the TV, to get away from the desk, to have some alternatives. Um, And I thought this was an interesting interesting one I, I watched some of the videos of it that they had put up and like it's kind of impressive like they're you know playing like doom and it looks really good like it looks like doom um there was one of tekken and like it was pretty clear that one maybe you know tekken's not the most optimized thing in the world and the characters are a little chunky and like you know a little pixelated so of course it depends on the game just just like it does on your big machine too but um you know, it it does work. It's a Windows machine. It uh, it it feels like a very inelegant solution, and I think that's exactly what they're intending. Is <laughs> like, yeah, we're gonna jam a, a, a you know powerful PC in this handheld, and it's gonna have way too many buttons. And like the the thing on each side has three shoulder buttons on each side, <laughs> like three buttons yeah. in a triangle shape. Uh, and if, yeah, it's got the you know. Um, like the Xbox style buttons kind of just jammed in there, like right above this <laughs> keyboard. Like the whole thing feels very like Microsoft de- like design where it's just like, yeah, we're just all the functionality, like everything's here. It doesn't have to be, have to be pretty. It's just all going to be jammed on this thing. <laughs> so in a way that's kind of beautiful. Like I really like that that exists. Um, I, I think for, for me and I think the, you know, um, having a PSP and then having a PS Vita, especially, and now having a switch the the thing that i realize about handheld gaming you know having the vita and stuff too is like i don't necessarily want the full like console experience or the full you know pc gaming experience on the go like the when the vita came out and it was so powerful everyone just started porting their console games over to it or or just doing those types of experiences which which were technically very impressive. Like, oh my gosh, I can play this game that's basically exactly like this console game on this hand handheld. Then you realize it's like, yeah, but it's not really designed for like portability. You know, I I have to wear headphones so I can hear all the voice acting, and I need to devote an hour at a time just to make it through each mission. And like, I you know, it just it's not designed for me to sit on a bus. It's not designed for me to sit on an airplane. You will miss like, your bus stop. Like you have to focus. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> About that with the switch. Like I'm going to be on the train here coming up in the next month. Yeah. Uh, and I know I'm going to be playing some Zelda and I'm going to have to like concentrate like, okay, Two more stops. I need to remember. <laughs> Two more stops from now, I have to get off the train. I can't do this. <laughs> Which, like, like, the Switch is nice because, like, 